Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2. The book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2. We're continuing through this series of studying 1 Peter with the emphasis of strengthening the brethren, understanding that in the context of it, that it is an answer to the prayer and prophecy that Jesus had to Peter, that when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And that as Peter is writing under the inspiration of Scripture, it is indeed used for the purpose of strengthening the brethren, especially as persecution and hard times are right around the corner, to help them develop the habit of obedience to Christ, of looking unto the Lord now before it becomes hard to do so. And now as we find our way to the book of 1 Peter in chapter 2, we now look at verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. Notice what the Word of God says. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, unholy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but, now, but are now the people of God, but now have obtained mercy. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, notice the phrase where it says, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. And with the Lord's help, we want to see this idea of out of darkness being strong in the light. Being strong in the light. Now, in our world, we have children of darkness and we have children of light. God's word says here that the child of God has been called out of darkness into the light. We know that Jesus Christ says that he is the light of the world. Before we came to know Christ, we were in spiritual darkness. The moment that we realize that we're a sinner and because of our sin that we've offended a holy righteous God and we deserve hell. And then we realize that Jesus died for us and that we personally accept Jesus to be our savior. We pass from darkness into light. We're now in the light. Think about the privilege that the disciples had. Think about Peter himself. Peter himself had the privilege of walking with Jesus for three days. Three and a half years. Then Jesus was crucified. He died on a cruel cross. He died and they put him in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, Jesus rose again. Imagine what it would be like to see that resurrected Lord. To see the one that you saw die, now alive forevermore. Don't you think that would have changed someone? 
Absolutely, without a doubt. He went from darkness into the light. There was something that changed. He would be a different person. In fact, hold your finger here. Turn with me to 1 John. And let's see the Apostle John's account of this. Notice in 1 John, which if you're in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 1. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us. And it goes on in verse number four, these things write unto you. Why? That your joy may be full. What is he talking about? He says, I was there. I handled him, meaning I touched him physically. He was manifest. He was there present for me. I ate with him. I slept in the same place as he slept. I saw what he went through. I witnessed him die. He rose again. It was marvelous. We have passed from death to life. We've handled him the word of life. And I'm telling you these things. Why? That your joy may be full. Why? Because when you experience the resurrected Lord, it should do something to you. It should be something wonderful. It should get us excited. You know, the disciples, when they saw the resurrected Christ, they were enthusiastic. They were on fire for the Lord. They were encouraged because they had an encounter with the real Lord. We can have the same thing. And for us, if we realize That Jesus rose again. And that he's alive forevermore. And we have that personal encounter. We should be encouraged. We should be full of joy. We should be excited about the things. Because we've passed from darkness into light. Passed from death into life. That our risen Savior lives. There should be something about born again believers. That we should not be the most miserable people on earth. Oh, everybody hates us and nobody likes us and the world's all against us. That's not the behavior of people who have a risen Savior. We're on the winning side. God is alive. Sometimes we look at Christians and say, where is the joy of the Lord that he promised? Because you don't have it. God is alive. And we're walking in the light. And it makes a difference When you meet this risen Savior. So with this, let's examine the book of 1 Peter, if you don't mind, in this passage here. And let's learn a couple things. First of all, let's notice his people. His people. Notice again as we kind of see verses 9 and 10. He says, but ye, speaking about the people that's being addressed, Peter the brethren. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That ye shall show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God. Notice what he says here about the people. 
Here is God's people. We are God's people. We belong to Him. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit who is God comes to live inside of you. And when that happens, something wonderful happens called being born again. You're now born into a new family. And let me tell you about this family. You can never be disowned. You can never be divorced. You can never be... Uh, set aside, disowned. He loves you. You are his forever and ever. You are his people. That is a possessive case. He possesses you. And that's not a scary thing. It's a wonderful thing. We're his. He takes it personally that he has a people. Notice as he describes this people here. It says, but ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. We'll get into that in a second. A holy nation. Notice this. A peculiar people. Now some people have defined that word peculiar to the idea of strange. So if you have someone who's just kind of walking around and, <laughs> and looking kind of strange. We would say well that guy's kind of peculiar. But the idea of peculiar carries the idea if you had a circle. In fact do that. Somewhere on a paper draw a circle. It doesn't have to be a big circle. And then what I want you to do is I want you to put a dot in that circle. That dot is peculiar to that circle. What does that mean? That dot is wholly belonging to that circle. That's what that idea of peculiar means. Is that we are wholly belonging to God. He doesn't share us with anybody else. We are wholly belonging to him. We're a peculiar people. We're one of his. That's what it means by peculiar is that he has us. We are peculiar to God. He doesn't share us with anyone else. We are his. Now, with that, God is not ashamed to say that's my child. Now, we're always going to be his child. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we're ashamed to call him our father. We're ashamed to recognize that he's our God. We don't want anybody to recognize that we're a Christian. You've heard me tell this story before of a young man who um, was newly saved and then he was going to be working uh, as a lumberjack and he knew how rough and uncouth those people could be. And so he asked his pastor before he went up to a long trip in Canada to go logging. He says, you know, I'm really afraid that if they find out that I'm a Christian, that they're going to pick on me. And I, I'm, I just don't know if I can handle that right now. So the pastor said, I'll pray for you up there. I'll pray that they don't pick on you at all. Well, after his logging trip, he came back after a couple months of working up in the forest of Canada and came back and the pastor was excited. He was looking forward to seeing what, how the prayers came answered. So he said, what happened? Tell me about it. And the young man said, you know what? It was wonderful. They didn't pick, at me at all, pick on me at all. In fact, they never found out that I was a Christian. Well, that's the opposite of what was expected. The man wasn't supposed to be hiding that he was a Christian. Secret service Christians are not needed at this time. We should be thankful that we have a heavenly father. We should be joyful. That's my father. That's my dad. To have kids excited. That's my parent. We're one of his children. That's my dad. That's my heavenly father. He cares for me. He loves me. I'm not ashamed at all of him. How do we get that away? When we realize that we pass from death to life. We realize that he's alive and that he cares for us. And that we're his people. 
You know, people who are in darkness, they could talk all about what they possess. This is the philosophy of darkness. But those of who are in the light don't talk about what we possess. We rejoice to who possesses us. God has me. He protects me. In fact, when we die, everything that you possess is going to be left behind. You don't see a U-Haul um, behind a hearst. Oddly enough, strange story, I'll put it aside. Adrian Rogers was a famous preacher down in Tennessee, and you may have heard him on the radio from time to time. When he first um, started pastoring Bellevue, he actually had someone that said, when I die, I want you to preach my funeral, but I'm going to have something strange. I want uh, my uh, U-Haul to be buried with me. And Adrian Rogers said, absolutely not, no way. That's not the message that goes up there. You're not bringing any of that stuff with you. It's not going to be there. We're, everything that we possess is going to be left behind. So what matters is not what we possess. The world says whoever has the most toys wins. Whoever has the biggest and best. Whoever has all of this. For us, what matters is who possesses us. That's the matter. That's what the big deal is. He possesses us. We're his people. The second thing I want to bring up is not only that we're his people, but I want us to also put attention on his power. On his power. Notice again in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. One of the most wonderful doctrines in all of the word of God is this royal priesthood, the priesthood of all believers. What is the priesthood of all believers? It is a statement, a doctrine that the Bible teaches that we all have equal access to God. That some people have an idea that because I'm a pastor that I have in my office a great red phone and underneath it is a glass or it's underneath a glass case and that in order to get to God I just lift up that glass case and say, all right God, this is what we got. I don't have that. Some people think, well, will you become a preacher or a pastor? You get a special calling card, 1-800-PLEASE-PRAY. And it's a direct line to God. I don't have that. Do you know that you have as much access to God as I do? Because I'm a pastor, there's no secret handshake, no secret access code. You have as much access to talk to God as I do. You don't have to go through a person to get to God. You don't have to go through a series of things. You don't have to have a piano playing softly in the background. You could just talk to him at any time. That is a great privilege that we all have. That you can talk to God for yourself. Now why is this a big deal? Because the one that we're talking to has all power. The God that we're talking to is the God of all gods. Remember, this is a name of God, a phrase <laughs> that uh, the God of heaven carries the idea that he is the God above all gods. He's the God who made heaven and earth. He's the God that is different than any other little g God because he has power. We're not talking to a God who runs out of gas, who needs a nap, a God who takes vacations, our God has all power and he never tires out. He is eternal from eternal. He changes not. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't break down. He doesn't have aches and pains. He's a God who has never <laughs> lost his power. We could talk to him at any time. And we could ask our heavenly father who loves us. 
for his heavenly father to take care of us. Now there's something about our father. Hold your finger here and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the gospel record of Luke. The gospel record of Luke. And let me remind you of three promises of prayer. The gospel record of Luke chapter 10. The gospel, uh, chapter 11 rather. Gospel record of Luke chapter 11. And notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 11. Notice with me in verse number 9. Luke chapter 11 verse 9. But I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Alright, sing a long time. Verse number 10. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, and to him that knocketh. Now that's a promise. God promised to answer every prayer. Verse number 11. If a son ask bread of you, that is a father. Notice that, father. Will he ask him of stone? Now notice, this isn't a neighbor kid coming up to some adult. This is a son going to a father. And as a father, I have a responsibility to take care of my child when he has a need. In fact, because I'm a father, there's times I take care of the wants just because he's my child. But let's say that my son comes up. Dad, I'm hungry. Can you give me some bread? I can tell that you're hungry. Here you go. And I give him a stone instead. Is that going to take care of it? No. Well, what happens if he says, Dad, you don't understand. I'm really hungry. Can I have a fish? You know what? Here's a good snake. Here you go. Take this serpent. Is that going to take care of it? No, probably not. Well, Dad, how about this? Can I at least have an egg? How about a scorpion? Here you go. Well, here it says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? What we see is not only does God answer every prayer, but He promised never to give us less than we asked for. If he asks for bread and I give him a stone, isn't that less than what he asked for? Yes. If he asks for uh, a fish and I give him a snake, a serpent, is that less than what he asked for? Yes. If he asks for uh, an egg and I give him a scorpion, is that less than what he asked for? Well, if I as a father have enough common sense and I'm not going to give less than I asked for, how much more shall my heavenly father? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? He's never going to give me less than I asked for. But in fact, notice with me in verse 13. If ye then being evil, and again, it's not talking about me being an evil father, but in comparison to God, God's a holy God. Next to him, I'm not good. So it's a comparison term. If I, not being as perfect as God, not in, next to God being evil and just awful and not right all the time, can still manage to do good to my child. Notice this. How much more. You see, God promised to answer every prayer. He promised never to give us less than we asked for. But instead, he said he would give us much more than we asked for. Why? Because of his power. Because I am his people, because I am his child, he has the power to do so. And he wants to do so because I'm his child. In fact, because my kids are my children, there are some things that they don't need, but they ask for. For example, I have a chocolate-holic. You may know what one of those are. Dad, can you get me a candy bar? Well, if it's reasonable 
and I have the ability to do so, won't I try to take care of her? Yes, absolutely. And that's the idea. There are sometimes, because I'm not Bill Gates, because they sometimes they ask for, I can't provide it. So I'm sorry, I don't have the ability. But if I have the ability to, and I could see that it's something that they would enjoy, won't I as a father want to give good gifts to my children? Absolutely. And so God will take care of our needs because he promised to. But because I'm his child and because he loves me, he will often give me things that I want. Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to be a spoiled child because God will say no to a spoiled child. No, you can't have candy bar. I've already given you 20 today. All right, let's cut off. But we understand if it's a reasonable request and, and God has the power, so won't he grant that request? What we're talking about is that God has the power to do so. And I have the ability as his child to talk to my father. That's encouraging stuff. And because God made promises in prayer. Now, of course, there's a different lesson about how prayer works. That we understand that every time we pray, God uses that prayer to make us more like Christ. But the principle still remains. God promised to answer every prayer. So pray. Talk to our Heavenly Father. We can expect Him to meet our needs. It's not a bother. In fact, <laughs> one of my kids has mastered this. Another one has kind of got there. The other one's still not sure about this. But you know, sometimes all it is, is you have to ask. And if you learn to ask, you'll be surprised what you can get from a father who loves you. Why don't people pray? Because they don't think it's going to work. But if I know that I have a heavenly father who loves me, who is a better father than any earthly father, and it's not a... <laughs> unreasonable request, God will answer. And we could watch him to work. Again, I had said before in our prayer time, don't pray wimpy. Amen. Go to a heavenly father who loves you and ask for that request. Not disrespectfully, but you have permission to boldly ask and not have to be ashamed about asking, Lord, I have this need. Can you please meet this? And I don't have to be timid about it. Oh God, I don't know how to ask you this. And you know, um, um, I don't want you to say no. So I don't want it. Lord, don't pray wimpy. Go boldly to the throne of grace to the God who loves you. Because you're his child. We can see here his power. And again, I am not saying disrespectfully. But I am saying that you can go boldly. And talk to him. Because of the priest or the believer. You can talk to God for yourself. And there's a God who loves you. Now that should be something to be excited over. You know. One of the reasons. One of the wonderful things about us. Is that we still don't believe God will answer prayer. How do we know? Because when God answers it. We get excited. As if we didn't know he was going to answer. But he did anyways. This is great. Well you should still be excited. But isn't it amazing that we still get amazed over answered prayer? <laughs> Something else we want to see. Not only his people, not only his power, but also his praises. But his praises. Notice in verse 10. Uh, verse 9, let's get a good running start. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall show forth the praises 
of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, we're thankful for it. That God could, we could explain or express his praises. We're to praise the Lord by the way that we live and by the way that we speak. That God has made us his children by a new birth. He has put something in us and that will not allow us to be joyous children until we are pleasing to our heavenly father. Oh, but when we're pleasing the heavenly father, when we learn to obey him and be pleasing to him and he talks with us and he answers us and he's able to work, we could sing his praises. Trusting him brings us to praise him. God has called us from darkness into light and we're to walk in that light. We're to be his people because we have access to God. His power is available to us. And now we have the responsibility to show his praises. How? By living a life that's worthy to be a child of the king. This is my father and I want to be pleasing to my father. Oh, we could praise him with all of our being, with all we are to show forth his praises because he is a great God. And again, now's the time to start developing the habit of praying to God and praising God and living for him because soon there'll be a time where it's going to be hard. Society is going to frown against it and there's going to be against the current. And by the way, it's already starting to turn. Now is the time to start living like a Christian and behaving like a Christian. How does this happen? It becomes because of a relationship that we have with our Father. Having a fellowship with the Father. Being with Him. Knowing whom He is. Saying, this is my Father and He takes care of me. Give a good biblical example. We have a man by the name of Daniel who had purposed in his heart from the time that he was a teenager to live for the Lord. As time went on, the Babylonian Empire fell away. The Persian Empire came. The uh, Persians put a special king to be in charge of the city of Babylon. And as Darius the Mede is in charge, all the rest of the 120 princes came to him and said, You know what? We need to pass a special law. That there's a special worship the king day. And during this day, everyone has to worship you. Well, why shouldn't they? I'm, I'm the king after all. This is, this is pretty great. Sure, let's pass this law. Uh, That's a great law. Oh, king, you deserve it. You're the greatest. Oh, we're so glad that you're our king. What he didn't know was that there was an alternative motive for that law. You see, the princes have been looking for years and years and years to find some way to knock Daniel off. But they said, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's not corrupted. He doesn't have a mistress in his closet. He doesn't have a secret drug deal going on. He definitely doesn't work in Washington. What's (laughs) The only thing that we could find wrong is if we find some way to go against his law. They also knew that Daniel had a testimony he prayed out loud three times a day. Well, there goes most of you right there. So Daniel, he prayed out loud three times a day and everyone knew it. They knew when his prayer times were. How do you know? Because when they passed the law, they were outside of his window with a recorder listening to him. They knew when he was going to pray. And Daniel, 
even though it was against the law, he kept his fellowship with God and said, I'm still going to be pleasing to my God. He didn't change it. He didn't say, well, you know, it's time to be a secret service Christian. He continued like he always did. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed of his father. And so, of course, they arrested him. The king realized that he messed up, but he couldn't do anything. The law's passed. Can't change the law now. But the king said something interesting. He said, Daniel, your God is able to keep you. Think about that. Daniel had such a testimony and everyone knew that Daniel had a fellowship with his father, God, and that his God had power to protect him and that the king himself told Daniel, your God is able to keep you. Daniel didn't have to announce that. Darius said that. Of course, they threw Daniel in the lion's den. And God stopped the mouths of the lion. Someone would say, well, that's because they weren't hungry. Oh yeah, they were hungry. As soon as they threw in the other people, it said not even a toenail, fingernail touched the ground. They ate them all. And they, they were hungry. But God had the power to stop the lions. Why? Because Daniel had a good fellowship with his father and he was not ashamed of his father even when the law and society turned against them. When is the time to develop that habit? Before the law's passed. Daniel was in a habit all of those years praying out loud. How's your habit, by the way? Do you have times where people say, well, this is where they pray and we know that. Do you have times where you are purposely connected to God? Or if hard times come, you say, well, it's time to catch up now. I think I better start praying. Remember, now's the time to start developing this habit. Now's the time to start living like you're not ashamed of your father because you have that close fellowship with him. Why? Because we are his people and he is our father. We have that special relationship, that special fellowship with him. It should be something that causes us to rejoice over. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.